Amen. All right. Well, good morning, everyone. It's very good to see you on this beautiful day. If it's your first time, welcome. It's awkward sometimes to be new, and uh, you don't know where the bathroom is. You know, you just, you just don't know where stuff is, and, and everybody knows that you're new. Uh, it's, it's, anyway, welcome. Uh, we'd like to send you something in the mail. If, you, if you're brave enough to mark first-time visitor, we'll send you ice cream in the mail. It's just our way of saying thanks, and then we're glad that you're here. Um, today is, is technically my first sermon as, as lead pastor at Granite Creek, so thank you. And uh, last week was really incredible. It was very powerful. Um, and, and people have been asking me all week, so Josh, do you feel different? And... Um, now, like when I get out of bed in the morning and I put my pants on, I don't have to put one leg in at a time anymore. I just, I can just pray my clothes on and they just go, boom, and it's like, oh, it's just like so anointed. Um, and, uh, no, really, it was, it was, you know, work this week was it was the same old stuff, right? Now, there's a difference. There's a little, there's, there's a nuance in the, in, the, in the, I do feel a little nuance in the change. But everything else is, is, is the same, really. But I will say, I will tell you this. Last week when uh, the church elders and, and our visiting pastors, when they, when they laid hands and they imparted and they anointed, um, it was very powerful. Uh, the best way that I can describe it is there was a, a denseness to the presence of the Holy Spirit. And um, I'm no stranger to feeling God's presence. It does come in different degrees. And so um, yeah, like you've, hopefully you feel the peace and the presence of God right now. You, hopefully you feel better than you did when you walked in. So the peace of God is, is resting on our, on our number. And so, yeah, I was feeling that, but at a very dense level. And you know what God told me? He said very clearly to me, he said, what you are experiencing right now is what I desire for the entire congregation. Are you excited about that? You get to experience a deeper level of experiencing God's presence. You get to go further up and further in into what God's called you to be and, and the destiny God's called you and to, to be in a... I mean, some of you are thinking, there's no way I could be in a stronger relationship with God. I'm here to tell you that you, that you can. That your relationship with God can be stronger, deeper, more meaningful. That, you know, I know that there's people here that have, that have a, a tight walk with God but maybe they haven't experienced a lot of success lately. We are moving into a season of success. God has been able to trust you with the small things. He's going to start blessing you with some big things. So be encouraged. This is, this is a, I've, seen, I've seen a vision of your future, and it's exciting. So, all right. Um, we are, we're, we're starting a new series. Today's the introduction to this new series. It's called Navigating the Future. And we, the, the previous series, we've been talking about dream, like catching God's dream for your life. And the problem with dreams is that they're, they're in the clouds, right? They're just kind of ethereal. And, and you know what we say about dreamers. Dreamers never get anything done. But dreaming is crucial. It, it, it's our life source. God wants us dreaming like kids. 
can't enter the kingdom of God unless you have the, the faith of a child. And so God wants us to get back to the place where we're dreaming like kids, where we put on capes and we run around and we're just, you know, we're superheroes. But at the same time, we've got to navigate this future. Like, we've got to make, we've got to pull these dreams out of the clouds and make them concrete. And so today's an introduction to a series that, that we're going to be doing. And um, I need to be able to uh, articulate and frame and, and show you the direction of the church. That's what the next series is about. The, the direction and the future uh, of, of Granite Creek, but not just about we, where we are headed as a church and what our vision is for the future, but also for your life. So the, the, the messages are going to be kind of two-parters. They're going to be, you know, where the church is going, what the church values, what we actually do. And then I'm going to encourage you to ask yourself those same questions. What's my vision? Where am I going? What am I actually doing with my life? Does it fulfill my mission, my life's mission, and my life's vision? And so these are very important questions that we have to ask our church and we have to ask ourselves. So I just want to tell you the, the, the topics real quick for the next five weeks coming up. Um, next week, get, how to get vision. We're going to get vision. How do you know where you are going? And we've spent some time on this already. How do you know that the dream and the vision that you have is, is the one that God has planned for you? How do you know where you're going? And then the following week, we're going to establish, uh, establish your mission in life or your values. The mission is what you actually do. What are you doing? And see, sometimes what we do it doesn't fulfill our dreams. We spend a lot of time doing things that God didn't ask us to do. And so you have to think about this. You have to pray about this. So the mission, the, the values that I'm working on right now, are those fulfilling what God has called me to do? Tough question to ask yourself. So that will be the following week. And then we are going to, uh, it's important, I'm a history major, I'm a history nerd. I believe it's important to review your history. So in order for us to know where we're going in the future, it is extremely valuable to review your past. Where did you make some mistakes? And how can you learn from your mistakes so you don't make the same mistake twice? More importantly, remember the day that God saved you. Remember that day when you were, when you were rock bottom, when you were in the muck and the mire, and God reached down and pulled you out. Remember that day when, when you didn't get hit by that car. And you knew it was a miracle. Remember that day when you received prayer and your physical body was healed. We need to make those testimonies vivid in our mind. Because it will, it will increase our abilities to move further up and further into God's presence. So reviewing our history will be another one. A commitment to our convictions. See, our church, our church has, has, we have uh, positions. We have a theology. We have, we have our doctrine. Uh, they are our convictions. And everybody else has convictions, right? Like stealing. I'm sure everybody in here has, holds that conviction deep down inside that, that stealing is wrong. And that is a part of my conviction. Then why are you taking your boss's toilet paper home with you? If you really hold that conviction, why are you lying to yourself and saying, it's okay for me to steal the 40-cent roll of toilet paper because I, I clocked in, you know, I, I worked extra or whatever? We have to, we have to flesh out our, our convictions and making sure that they are really lining up. It's, it's important in order for us to navigate the future 
that, uh, that we are paying attention to what we actually believe, and we're living it out and we're walking it. All right, and then the next one, uh, discovering your unique you, discovering who God has really made you to be, and how ministry, your personal ministry, fits into God's dream for your life. So it's going to be a great series. I want to encourage you not to miss a single one. Um, and and the whole, my whole desire at the end of it is that no one will say, Pastor Josh, I don't know what the direction of the church is. Pastor Josh, I don't know what our mission is. Pastor Josh, I don't know what the vision is. So it's going to be the Sermon of Redundancy Sermons series. <laughs> I'm going to be repeating myself a lot, repeating myself. And, um, and so... Just, I want my, my desire at the end of the series is, is that by the end, if somebody, if your friends ask you, well, what, what's Granite Creek all about? What do they do? You'll be able to answer. Well, where's Granite Creek going? What's their vision? You'll be able to answer. Uh, what do you actually believe about these, these topics? You'll be able to answer. And so, uh, does that sound good? All right. Well, that's what we're going to be looking at. So today is the, is the intro. And uh, when I was, uh, last month I was uh, teaching at Chafee College at their Christian group, and one of the, these are all Christian kids for the most part. They're actually really good at dragging in non-Christian kids, which is really exciting, because they, they, they're just like, what? And <laughs> it's, 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 a fun, it's a fun group of kids. But all of these Christian kids, um, they're all asking the same question. How do I know what God's will is for my life? I don't know if I'm heading in the right direction. Getting that quite a bit. And it is confusing to know that we're on the right path. And so today's macro lesson is, how do you know you're heading in the right direction? How do you know you're on the right path? And um, you might even need to ask, do you know who you are first? Ask yourself that question right now. Do I know who I am and do I know where I'm going? There is so much peace and comfort when we know who we are, when, we, know, when we, we get the understanding that we are created in God's image, that we're His child, when we have the security of our new identity. There's an incredible amount of peace when we know who we are. And then when we really know where we're going, there's, this, there's, there's peace there too. So there's that certainty of our future. Okay, so today... Uh, we're going to be looking at the red letter, the, the, the actual teachings of Jesus, because Jesus taught on this. He, knew, he knows that, that we are on a journey, we're on a spiritual journey, and it's hard, and it's confusing, and it could be deceptive, and we, we might think that we're going in the right direction when we're really not, and Jesus addresses it. And he's very clear, and he's very specific, and he's also very disturbing, and so we're going to look at some, an uncomfortable verse today. And um, my, my, if you pay attention, if you see this through, you will be encouraged. All right? So let's see what Jesus has to say. Uh, if you've got your Bibles, turn to the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 7. And we're going to start at verse 7. This is uh, the tail end of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says, chapter 7, verse 7, Ask, 
and it will be given to you. You seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you, then, though you are evil, how does that make you feel? You're evil. Even though you're evil, you know how to give good gifts. We do good things. We like to do good. Everybody likes to do good. You give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? So, in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law. That's the golden rule, by the way. Jesus made that up. Um, 13. Here we go. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road to destruction. And many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and few find it. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Let's skip down to verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one that does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And did we not drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Oh, that's, that's nice, right? All right, so we're going to open this up. We're going to really flesh it out. And um, it's pretty heavy, but I'm telling you, there is an incredible amount of peace and security in this verse. Jesus' intention is to set us free. The anxieties and the, and the fears and the frustrations that, that life brings, this chapter will free us from those things. And what Jesus is saying, basically he's saying, he's saying three things. He's saying uh, there's only two ways. There, there's a, a broad way and a narrow way. And within those two ways, there, there, there's, there's, only, there's two meanings to it. We're going to be taking a look at the two ways. We're going to be taking a look at the two meanings. And then we're going to be asking ourselves, how do I know I'm on the right path? How do I really know that where I'm going is going to get me to heaven? How do I really know that, that I'm saved? So these are the things we're going to be looking at. Jesus is very clear. He said, look, there's two doors. There's not, there's not many doors. There's two. And there's a big... Okay, just, I want you guys to use your imaginations with me this morning. Uh, and in your, in your mind's eye, I want you to picture a big, giant, massive door. Uh, Jim LaJuche made me one for this message a couple years ago, so I don't have it anymore. But uh, picture yourself a big, giant, massive door with massive hinges big giant planks inside that you'd have to use a battering ram to get open. 
big, giant knobs, right? It's like something in, it's like a castle door, okay? So picture that door right here. And then on the other side of the spectrum, I want you to picture this little tiny door, this small little door that only Alice in Wonderland can get through because she's taking the blue pill. Did she take a blue pill? I don't know. Well, what did she take? A mushroom? <laughs> something, something really, yeah, anyway. You get the picture, right? So I want you to see the contrast between the two doors. And what Jesus is saying, uh, and, and John, Jesus comes out, uh, John chapter 10, Jesus comes out and just says it. He says, like, I'm the gate. I'm the door. I'm, I'm that small door. And our, our nature our, our natural desires, the way that our flesh works is that we are going to be drawn naturally to the larger door. Think of it as, as a large object. In science, we are, gravity attracts. And so the, the big door feels good. The big door is what our hearts actually desire because Jesus says it. He said it, right? He said, you guys are evil, even though that you're evil. You, you, you know, you tend to do good things. Do you guys know that? That a majority of the population on the planet actually wants to do good things, even though they steal their boss's toilet paper. They, they really want to do good things. There's very few people on the planet that wake up and are saying, I'm going to hurt somebody today. It's going to make me feel really good to do evil today. Very few people think like that. They're out, they are out there, trust me. But it's a minority. Most people think that they're doing good. And so it's a, it's, it's a natural tendency to be drawn to, to the big door. Because when you're in front of the big door, you, you, it's all open spaces. It, it's broad. It's wide. It, there's a lot of freedom. There's a lot of ability to have movement. You can do whatever you want to do when you're in front of the big door, when you're heading in that direction. And again, you're just drawn to it. It happens naturally. And, well, everybody tends to go through it, right? Now, when people see, maybe they're in these wide open spaces and they're, they're, you know, they're enjoying the freedom, but, you know, have you ever felt that there's something not quite right with the world? Like you're, you're drawn to this big door, it feels natural, but deep down inside you just know it's not right. It's like this doesn't, this feels deceptive. When people start thinking about that, when they start thinking about the reality that they're living in, they're going to glance over here. They're going to they're catch a, an image of that door, and they're going to see truth. And they're going to turn around, they're going to look at it. And we've seen this. In church life, we see this quite a bit. We see people catch a glance at the door. And their first reaction when they see truth is, there's no way I can get in that door. I'm not going to fit. And maybe they try. Maybe they, maybe they start heading down this way. And, and think of it as big, long, narrow corridor, this hallway that, 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 that tapers down to a small door. And they, they head towards that door. And once they do, they, they feel like they, they feel a ceiling coming in. And it's becoming constrictive and narrow. And their, their shoulders are starting to rub against the walls. And it gets claustrophobic. The walls and the ceilings begin to rub on you, and it's very uncomfortable. And you begin to lose your sense of freedom. 
And there's two things that happen whenever people start walking towards Jesus and they start getting claustrophobic, when they start to feel, well, let's say it this way, when they start to feel the weight of the law, they don't like it. What, I, I can't sleep with my boyfriend anymore? What, I can't sleep with my girlfriend? What, I, I can't steal my boss's toilet paper anymore? I don't, I, I don't like this. I don't like people telling me what to do. And, and, and if, if, they start, if they stop there, they're going to go back in, and they're going to head back into open territory where they can feel the freedom that they once had. But here's the deceptive part about being in open territory. That's where the snipers are going to get you, and that's where the birds of prey are going to pick you off. The ones that, that begin to feel the, the tension and the stress of being on this narrow road, and it's also, it's also translated as the straight road. That's where we get the, the term of uh, being on the straight and narrow. Once they, they, they begin to accept it and they yield and they surrender to being on the straight and narrow, all of a sudden the rules fall off and they realize that the constrictions and the constraints and the narrowness of Jesus' path was never meant to suffocate. It's actually an embrace. And when people make that, that little tiny switch of, okay, this isn't claustrophobic. This is an embrace of a loving father that's hugging me right now. Once they get to that point, then they can take the blue pill. They can, they can actually realize, I, I, can, I can fit through that door. Uh, Joyce Racine said it to me this way after first service, and I, I just I said, look, I'm going to steal your material because that's absolutely amazing. She says, there's no way I can get to that, through that door on my own. I know I have to be transformed in the Spirit through the power of Jesus. I have, to be, I have to walk through that door in spirit and in truth. Isn't that amazing? See, our carnal mind says, my physical body isn't going to go in there. And when we have the courage enough to say, I need to be transformed in the Spirit and only my spirit can enter through that door. Then, 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 then there's the truth. It's absolutely profound, and it's absolutely amazing. Here's the beautiful part about being able to open that door. Now, the, the narrow door, that isn't, when you open that door and you cross in, that's not the day that you die, by the way. You can open that door right now. You can experience heaven on earth right now. And although that it seems narrow and it seems straight and it, it's closed-minded, once we walk in, and this isn't even stepping across the line of faith, once we begin to experience the kingdom of heaven on earth, that little door that feels confining actually opens up into eternity, into infinite possibilities. Remember, uh, remember the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? Hmm? Remember the movie and the book? What was inside of the wardrobe? An entire world, a new universe. And so here is, the, here is the irony. So you have a small door that inside of the small door is, 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 is another universe. There's more freedom inside of that small door than on the other side where you have a big giant door and on the other side of that door, it's like a black hole. It's death. What you're naturally attracted to, what naturally feels good, you open up that door and there's death. 
it becomes exceedingly narrow once we cross in. So this is what Jesus is saying. Now, I don't know, maybe there's two types of people. There's people that, were, that will think, like church folks. Church folks are saying, yeah, yeah, Pastor Josh, you're right. All, of, uh, all, these, all these bad, immoral people that aren't following the Ten Commandments, that, that aren't going to church, that aren't giving their 10% back to God, well, they're, they're, gonna, they're heading towards the big door. And only the people that <clears throat> have maintained uh, a strict regiment of, of being super spiritual and, and attending church and following the rules, well, they're the only ones that are going to get through the straight and narrow door, right? That's actually what not Jesus isn't saying that. And if you read the entirety of, of the Sermon on the Mount, on, Jesus is just, I mean, it's a masterpiece. This, this, this sermon's a masterpiece. If you, if you, Read all the, the readings of Jesus. You will, you will understand something about him and his character. He's out to uh, destroy religion. And see, this story isn't about good people and bad people stuck between two points of view. This story is about people and the direction that they're heading. What they are actually looking at. All right, I'll show you this. Okay, remember that last part that we read? Fits into the whole thing. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one that does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say on that day, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy? Do we not drive out demons? Do we not perform many miracles? Then I will say to them plainly, I did not know you. Do you think Jesus doesn't just know people? Here's the thing. He knows everybody's name. He actually knows how many hairs that you have on your head and then how many you're going to lose down the drain tomorrow morning. He knows everything. He's not saying, I don't have, a, I don't have you in my database. He's saying, I don't have a relationship with you. Here's the, here's the scary part. Look, whenever, when I first read this, when, I mean, I've read it a million times, right? How many people have read the Bible a million times and then all of a sudden something just like, uh, what? How come I didn't see that? When I read this, it freaked me out because these people that Jesus is talking about, how do they respond? They say, Lord, Lord. In other translations, it's God, God. And who are they talking to? They're talking to Jesus. They understand that Jesus is the incarnation, that he is God. He's the God-man. They have good theology. Good theology doesn't get you to heaven. They have a proper understanding of who God is. And Jesus says, that's not good enough. Proper theology, knowing who I am, isn't good enough. Just because you know about me doesn't know that, mean that you know me, is what he's saying. And then... Lord, Lord, that's not a stutter. Whenever, whenever a word is used twice or three times in Scripture, it's there to evoke emotion. Like, this, this is an emotional response from these people. Like, they are crying out. They're, like, these are the people that are excited about being in worship on Sunday. They're raising their hands. They're saying, Lord, Lord. They're saying, praise hallelujah. They have an emotional 
response to, to doing church. He says, I don't know you. So we can have proper theology. We can have an emotional response to church and being in God's presence or whatever. Like, you can, like this stuff will rub off on you and it, it, will, it will activate your emotions. You can hear the gospel message and it will stir you. It will stir your soul. That doesn't mean that you have a relationship with God. Interesting, huh? Scary, right? How many people know somebody that was super excited about becoming a new Christian? Five years later, they're back into their old lifestyle. Their faith was based on an emotion. It wasn't based on a relationship. And then... This, by far, is the most terrifying part of this Scripture because they said, do we not prophesy? Do we not heal the sick? Do we not cast out demons in your name? We did the stuff. I have done the stuff my entire life. God will use people despite themselves. I never knew you, he says. Look, relationship with Jesus is extremely difficult. Religion is extremely easy. Religion is the easier path. Religion, in a sense, is natural. It's the broad path. It looks a little bit different than, than how I pictured it earlier with you know, all the, you know, the carnal people being attracted to a big jaw that's lots of fun. The other approach, the the religious approach, is a closeness to God, understanding God, getting control of God. Should I say that again? Being able to get control of God in order to get God's stuff, but not to get God. And this is what it looks like. It looks like I want to get close to God, and I'm getting closer and closer and closer to the small door. But in reality, I have my back turned to him. I want his stuff. I want to be close. But I refuse to talk to him. I refuse to look him in the face. And what I would rather do is I'd rather build a really cool theology where I can have a view of everything, including all of those sinners up at the big door, and I can see all the details, and I am now in a position where... I can judge people who are really far away from God, and I can judge the people that are maybe getting a little bit closer, but they're doing it wrong because they're not doing it the way that I'm doing it. And I can judge. When I have my back to God and I'm close to the door, I can, I, for some reason, I feel like I have the ability to judge. But at the beginning of chapter 7, Jesus says, don't judge lest you be judged. He says, look, look son, look daughter, you gotta take you gotta take that big giant log out of your face, out of your eye, and quit looking at specks in other people's eyes. Look, this isn't about you understanding and having control. This is about you being in a proper relationship with me. Okay, I have a story. It's not in the Bible. And I heard it I can't remember where I heard it, but it's really great. And again, it's a, it's a story about Jesus, but it's somebody made it up. I don't know who made it up. But okay. So Jesus 
Maybe I should make up a, a fake scripture reference. Anyway. Okay, so Jesus is hanging out with his disciples, and they're going on this journey. And on the road, uh, Jesus says, I want you guys to, to pick up a rock for me. And we're going to carry it to, to, to the next town. So I want you guys to pick up a rock for me. And all the guys go around to pick up rocks. And Peter picks up this little tiny rock. Because hmm? he's Peter, right? You know, you know, you understand Peter, right? So Peter picks up this little rock. He's just kind of a smart aleck. And so he's going to make it easy. And so they have walked all day long in the sun. They're hot. They're tired. They're sweaty. They're stinky. And they're starving. So they get to, their, they get to this, the, the town where they, they're going to do ministry, and it's a poor town. There's no one there to help them. And then they're sitting around their campfire, and Jesus is teaching, and he says, okay, boys, get your rocks out. They all get their rocks out. You know, John, of course, has this decent-sized rock, and uh, Peter's got his little pebble, and all the other guys got, you know, various sizes, and then Jesus supernaturally turns the rocks into bread. He says, all right, boys, let's eat. <laughs> so Peter's like, dang it, you know? They wake up, and he says, okay, boys, let's get some rocks. We're going to carry rocks. We're going to do this again. We're going to carry them into the next city again. And so Peter, being Peter, says, I'm not going to get duped again. He finds this big boulder, something like that, and he puts it on his shoulders and he's lugging this thing, and it's breaking his back, and he can't stand the weight of it, but he, he is so persistent. He's, such a, he's, you know, he's so passionate about stuff, and he's not going to get duped again. And they make it to the next town. There's a, a beautiful river running down, and Jesus says, okay, guys, toss the rocks in the river. No food, no miracle. And Peter's sitting there, just he's fuming. Can you see Peter just losing his temper? He's getting mad, right? And Jesus' response, or I believe this is what his response would be, he would say, who are you carrying the rock for? And we have to ask ourselves that question when we dare to engage in a religious life. And I hate to call it the religious life, but you have to ask yourself, who am I carrying this for? This this faith thing that I'm doing, is it for Jesus or is it for me? Am I after Jesus? Am I after a relationship? Or am I after getting blessed? Do I want the Father's inheritance or do I just want to be in the loving embrace of a Father? It's all about motivation. Why do you fast? Do you fast because you want God, you want to get something out of God? You know, even if I don't get something out of God, at least I've lost some weight. Who are you carrying the rock for? Is it for you, or is it for you to, to strengthen your relationship with Jesus? Relationship, not religion. Religion kills. It's mean. It's nasty. It's condescending. Left to its own devices, it will, it will breed hate. Relationship is extremely difficult. It's harder than religion. It loves. It cares. It sacrifices. 
It leads to life. It's hard to get through. It's a narrow door. It's stormy seas. It, can, it seems like it's confusing. But Jesus is saying, look, it's narrow. You just you, you stick with it. You be persistent. You be consistent. You know that the Christian faith is a consistent walk? It's narrow. It's straight. It's a, it's a consistency. It's a pattern of your life that you build in. It's not easy, but it's the most rewarding thing that you will ever do with your life. All right. One last scripture. Joshua chapter 1, verse 7. This is the point where, for the people of Israel, where they have, um, they've had a dream and now they're moving into the promised land. Like, it's starting to materialize. The vision is becoming concrete. The dream is taking on feet. They have pulled this thing out of the sky, and now they're, now they're walking into the promised land. Like, they're, they're walking into success. They're walking into prosperity. There's a lot of them that went before that paid a very hard price to get the people of God where they needed to be. And this is what, they, this is what God says. He says, Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey the law that my servant Moses gave to you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful in whatever you do. The path is straight. It's narrow. It's clear. It heads towards Jesus. You can't turn from it to the right or the left. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. You meditate on it day and night. You be consistent. You get the word of God into your mouth, into your mind. You read the word of God. You consume the word of God. You live the word of God. You act on the word of God. You enter into a relationship. You don't become a student. You become a disciple. Don't let it depart from your mouth. Do whatever is written in it. Then you will be prosperous. You see the tangible stuff, the the walking from the dream into the destiny, it's conditional. It says you meditate on the word. You stay on the straight and narrow. Then you will be prosperous. Then you will see success. Have I not commanded you? Again, be strong and be courageous. Walking this path takes great courage. Don't be terrified. Don't be seized by fear. Whenever you're heading towards the door that doesn't feel natural, fear will seize you. Oh, you're wasting your life. No. You know what? Sacrificing, you're wasting it. You're giving away, you're giving away your time, your energy, and your money. That's a waste of money. Go back to where it feels natural. So don't let fear get you. Don't be discouraged. You know, sometimes when we walk this path, and again, I hit on this earlier, and we're feeling the, the, the constraints of the gospel message, like it's beginning to rub off on us, and it feels painful, we have a tendency to get depressed because we think that the good old days were better. High school was not good. High school, you, you might be reliving that time in your life, 
it was not good. You got stuffed in a locker, and that girl dumped you, and you were miserable most of the time. Don't go back there. Look, whenever you're heading towards Jesus, and you begin to feel depression, and you begin to feel fear, all that is is the enemy of God lying to you. And you just don't believe the lie. Because that's all he's got. The only thing he's got is to be able to steal your, your joy. And if he can make you depressed, then he can just, he just keep you right here. And he doesn't have to worry about anything. All he wants to do is make you a depressed Christian. And the, those are, uh. Look, we are meant to be joyful followers of Jesus because we have a new identity and we have a new purpose. All right. Am I done with that scripture? Let's see. All right, don't be discouraged. For the Lord will be, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. On the journey, on the path, God's going to be with us. That is the truth that we have to continue to reckon back to. Okay, I might not feel God's presence. I might feel claustrophobic. God is with you. The Lord your God is with you. Stay on the straight and narrow. Focus on Jesus. He is the gate. He is the gatekeeper. He is the good shepherd. And even if you do stray, he's going to come out and get you. He will go after the one. The most important part is you've got to know where you're, where you're facing. Even if you're, if you're on the, the, the edge of stepping out into the big door, if you're facing this way, you have an incredible hope. Don't be intimidated by that small door. Just keep your eyes on Jesus and keep moving forward, and you're going to find him. Can I have the, the band and the ushers to come to the front? Okay, so your homework today is, do you know who you are, and do you know where you're going? You have to ask yourself that question. Do I, know, do I really understand who God has made me to be? Do I really know where I'm going? And if you don't, if there's confusion in that, do what God told Joshua. You meditate on my word day and night. The answer is in the book. That is your guide. That is your map. It's your compass. You're, you're on a journey, and you need that book. If you meditate on it, it's going to tell you who you are, and where you're going. Don't let it depart from your lips. Let's pray. Father, right now, we thank you so much for blessing this church. We thank you so much for the finances that, it, that have poured in for a much-needed parking lot that is now safe. God, right now, I thank you so much for a, a church family that is courageous enough to enter into a relationship and not a religion. I thank you so much that, that we have a church family that, that says, I will, I will even be in a relationship with people I don't like. And God, right now, I just pray that you will bring people into our lives that we wouldn't normally be friends with and that we will learn from each other, that we will be in community with each other, that our relationship with you will be reflected with our relationship with our brothers and sisters. And God, the vision for our church is to go further up and further in to, to have a deeper experience with God, to, to feel the weight 
and the density of your presence to truly know you rather than knowing about you, God. I pray that every single one will feel an increase in your presence. I pray that everyone will feel the blessings and the success of moving into a promised land, of seeing dreams fulfilled and not ripped off. We pray for our kids. We pray that we will teach our kids to meditate on you day and night, that we will strap it onto our heads and onto our wrists, that we completely focused on you. And Jesus, I pray that uh, we would get a vision of you in this season. Bless this offering, and I pray that it would just advance the kingdom of God in Granite Creek Church, in this city, in this valley, in this community. Amen.